Good morning. You may have noticed we've changed the decor just a touch. Okay, so with that in mind, and because we're starting this afternoon VBF, all those who are part of VBF, please stand up. We want to have a special time of prayer. So if you're in any way helping with VBF, please stand up. You don't have to have your shirt on today. You can still stand up. As I am praying, I'm asking all of us to pray together that this endeavor that we're stepping into today and will last through Thursday will be a time for lives to be touched and lives to be changed and all for the glory of God. So let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are our God and you are supreme and sovereign. You're righteous, you're just, you're true. And we believe right now that, God, you will bring from the north, the south, the east, and the west the people that you want to be here during this time of ministry called VBF. You know the heart condition of every person, those who are serving and those who we ministered to. And we're believing, Holy Spirit, that your work will be such a work of grace that Jesus Christ will be exalted and glorified in such an amazing way that men, women, boys, and girls will be drawn to you and receive from you that life, life abundant, and life eternal. Let us now, as we agree together, commit this into your hands, God. For it's in your name, Jesus, we offer this prayer. Amen. All right, thank you so very much, and please continue praying through the week. We're starting a new series today. It's a, kind of a mini-series, four or five weeks. Uh, we're still working through some of the details, but what the world needs now. Uh, Chris wouldn't sing that song for us this morning. I'm not sure why, but uh, some of you know there's a song, you know, what the world needs. Anyway, I'm not going to sing it either, but uh, the answer is an obvious answer. What the world needs now is Jesus Christ. I mean, he really is the solution. Now, over the 2,000 years since his coming and death and burial and resurrection, there's been a lot to try to discredit him, to claim he's simply a mere man. But we know that the truth is he is the Son of God. And by the way, just so... Something to think about. Do you know how blessed we are to be a congregation of people who believe that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are the Holy Trinity? And that we believe that his word is holy writ and that our lives will be based upon that? You know what that is in our world today? Well, guess what? This series is just about that because here's the next caption. It could be worse. And guess what? It is. I can promise you before God, when I was starting in the ministry now almost 50 years, as much as I could see and God was showing me, which was incredible, I could not envision what we're encountering today in our world. It is beyond belief. 
In fact, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the scripture in 2 Timothy that talks about these last days or the end of days because that's where we are, but we're not going to leave us there. We're not going to stay there. We're going to look at the solutions that are ours in the process of being the people. Think about this now, of being the people that God has selected to live in these last days. Now, that is a special, special call of God, whether you realize it or not. And you will have to choose what you do with that. Also, because we're in vacation season, we know that people are going to be going on vacation. So as we do these next four or five weeks, all of you won't be here the whole time. So I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to dump the whole load today. And then we're going to work on that load for the next few weeks but I'm going to give you some homework. We don't often give out homework. The homework is this. Don't just take what any of us are saying as we walk through the scripture. Take the time. Please take the time to examine it carefully to determine what it really is saying. Because that's our goal for you to hear what God is saying through his word. And then to know that knowing his word. Because as we look at these last days and the Holy Spirit revelation in these last days, it is not to scare us, but to prepare us and how to handle all that we're encountering in our world today. So with that being said, I want to go to the scripture in James. James chapter 4, verse 4. Sometimes when we read the scripture, it can be seeming a little harsh because James is writing to the church. Who is the church today? That'd be us. So look what it says. You adulteresses, do you not know? That friendship with the world is hostility toward God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. It's almost like the Holy Spirit of God is using James, who's the half-brother Christ, who wrote this book, to say, it's time to decide whose side you're on. Because, let's be very honest, it isn't unfrequent, infrequent, that in our day-to-day, we try to keep one foot in Christ and one foot in the world. The language that James is using here is saying, sorry, is saying there is no difference in how you're living in pretending to have a relationship with Christ but you're still holding on to the things of the world, it's no different than idolatry because it is 
adultery because it is breaking the covenant of your relationship with God. So the question was asked of me as I was working on this, how do you know when you're a friend of God? Well, it's real simple. When the things of the world are more important to you than the things of God are. And nobody but nobody but nobody can determine that for you but you. You have to decide if you're going to serve God or serve the world. Well, you cannot. You cannot serve God if you're going to serve the world because he says that makes you my enemy. Like I said, the Bible can be very candid and very harsh at times. So let's move to the scripture of these last days. It's also called the days of grace. It's called the church age or the age of grace. But these are the things as the Holy Spirit of God inspires the apostle Paul to write to his young protege, Timothy. He says, this is what you're going to face. Now, here's, here's what I think is incredible as we go through this list. It's like we're reading or listening to today's news. Now, remember, this was written back in first century. So we have been in this time frame now for right at 2,000 years. And in case you don't know, and, and let me do the math for you. We are closer now than we were then. Now, I am not a date person. That is not who I am. And the Bible says no one knows the date. But the obvious truth is we're closer now than we have ever been. And when we read through this list, which when I say list, list of conditions, please understand we're not creating a list for us. We're looking at the conditions and determining that being the case, and you will see that it is, then what is our biblical response as those chosen by God to live in this last age? Realize this, in the days or the last days, difficult times will come. By the way, that's, that's almost like a, a minimizing of the word that's in the Greek because it is saying that, understand this, there are perilous times that will be in this age for men will be lovers of themselves again it isn't infrequent that the english language doesn't translate the the depth of greek language Guys, I don't know what to do about this rattle. Is it me? Am I, am I breathing in the mic? What is it? Anyway, um, it goes like this. I'm trying, I'm trying to, I'm thinking about somebody to pick on, and I'm, I'm trying to be nice. Okay, what are we doing here? Can you hear me now? Okay, keep falling back. All right. I know it looks weird when it gets out there. Looks like I got something growing out my ear. Here's what the scripture is saying. That in these last days, in these 
perilous times, men will be such lovers of self that they will be self-kissers. In other words, what we're really doing as we live the life described in this scriptures, I love me. I just love me. I love me. And you'll see as we walk through this that that's true. Because we're lovers of me, (laughs) we're lovers of money. And the reason we're lovers of money is because of what money can do for me. So I want the income, the money, and sadly, sometimes it doesn't matter how I get it. So I can, listen to this now. So I can live for the weekend. What that means? My weekend, my week is planned for my weekend so I can do the things that I love to do. Now you think, boy, you're just an absolute party pooper. You don't believe in any fun whatsoever. That is not what this is talking about. This is talking about the fact that we are so consumed with ourselves that we'll do whatever it is we can do, have to do, whatever it is required so that we can have what we can have so we can go do what it is in our heart to do. And we never, ever even bother to ask God if that's his plan. Boastful and arrogant. (laughs) Pride today. I'm telling you, it amazes me how people can express their opinion, which really should have been kept to themselves, in some format, social media or wherever, and they can't be wrong. And now we've gone through this terrible what I want to say it, perilous time of news media where it's called fact-checking. That isn't fact-checking at all. It's just throwing out another term to say we believe what we believe. And since we said we fact, we checked our facts, you should believe what we tell you to believe. And part of that is in this age... That we will move to a place where even our conduct and our language demonstrates the fact of what James said, that we are adulterers because some of the stuff that comes from our lips does not indicate the heart of Christ. Instead... If you read the book of James, he says, the bitter and the sweet don't come out of the same fountain, folks. Check your fountain. Check your source. Revilers. 
It just escalates to the place that I no longer have moral absolutes. That's why it's okay to have sex before marriage. I said it last week. Let me say it again. It is not all right to have sex before marriage. And let me say again very clearly. It is not okay to have sex with someone else other than your spouse. Is that is that really clear? Now, you can go do whatever the heck it is you want to do. But I'm telling you, you will never stand before God and say, well, I didn't know that. God, I'm just surprised. I want to make sure that one's off the table. Or that you would select a lifestyle contrary to the word of God. That's why back to James when he says, you're either in love with God or you're in love with something else. And oftentimes, because we're so careless about our life and relationship, we begin to put people up on pedestals. And and, and I got to tell you, I don't want to be on anybody's. And none of us should be. Look at the hero worship of our nation now. We were so blessed to have some of the law enforcement folks here the other week for Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. It was announced that we were having that. We didn't have any extra people come except the ones they brought with them, their family and coworkers. But if we had announced that we were having an athlete of some fame, you would have invited your friends and your family, would you not? If I'm not telling the truth, it's okay to say you're not telling the truth. It's later, but not right now. But is this not the truth? I'll never forget a pastor. I was in a conference one time and a few years ago, and he was a little brassier than I. And he led on as if they had a superstar for their church. That that superstar was actually going to come out on their stage, very large mega church, come out on their stage and perform on their Sunday morning. And he said, would you not give it up for and gave the person's name, and everybody stood up and beat their hands together. He said, they're not here. I was just putting you on. But who is here is Jesus Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit. And we just sang songs about him and didn't hear anything but a couple claps. You see what I'm saying? One of the things that we are not good at in our world today, and I'm going to be very I want to be very straight. One of the things we're not good at today is thinking. See, we're not even talking about the spirit side here. This, that's just, this is just turning your brain on. God gave us an, a wonderful instrument. We need to learn to use it. Because part of this process, and I got ahead of myself a little bit, is being disobedient to parents. Parental rights are being taken away today in wholesale. I'm telling you, 
we better be praying for our young parents here. We have wonderful young parents. These precious children. God keeps giving us precious children. We're having a shower this afternoon for uh, Lee and Tina. He keeps giving these to us. This is us, people, to make a difference in their lives so that their lives can make a difference. Ungrateful. (laughs) When's the last time you sincerely said thank you to someone? And not because they gave you a million bucks. We have such an issue now with the workforce in America I thank people for working. Now, they're getting paid, and I don't know them other than how they're interacting with me in a transaction, but I thank them for working. They say, why are you thanking us? I said, because so many people aren't. And if you're in here and you're one of those people not working, go get a job. I love you. Go get a job. You hiring, Butch? (laughs) There you go. <laughs> yeah, report in at 6 a.m., ready to go. Unholy. See, this is where we, we're all about, well, it, it's my feelings. Now, again, God gave us feelings, okay? So we're not saying not to have your feelings. That's not the point. But that's not what runs your show. That's not what floats your boat. There has to be absolutes and since we have already denied any true absolutes that jesus is the way the truth and the life he is the savior and he is the son of god if that isn't real in our lives then we will do whatever we want to do because it feels good unloving (laughs) we love ourselves but we don't love you (laughs) I love me. You suck. Irreconcilable. Now, here's the thing. Bill and I had this discussion because when I was working on this to begin with, in my mind, I really had this all this outside the church. But Bill said, Steve is is in the church. And, And so the truth is, it's both. In the church, people who can't be reconciled with each other. Why? Because I'm right. And because I'm right, that means you got to be wrong. And we have that in marriage too. I've told you guys, one of the reasons Sheila and I have an incredible marriage is I let her have the opportunity to be wrong. (laughs) Now, you guys know that's a joke. We have a great marriage because we are able to do this together. But that's how we have this mentality in our world that I can't be reconciled to you because I'm always right. And since I'm always right, you got to be what? If you're in disagreement with me, you got to be what? Wrong. Wrong. There's not options here. There's no compromise. There's no working into what the truth is and how the truth works out. Malicious gossips. Gossip is bad enough. Malicious is when there is intent for destruction and pain for someone else. Again, this is not just outside the church. When God, listen carefully to me, please. 
When God allows you the privilege of seeing something in someone else's life, it is because he is entrusting to you the responsibility of intercession for that person. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have discussion. That doesn't mean that you don't have to address issues because you do. But it starts out with to be a true person of Christ is to intercede for them and not go tell somebody else about it. Without self-control. You see, you see how this continues to escalate in a downward spiral? Again, what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, doesn't matter. Brutal. See, it's even getting to the place now where it's like, I don't care if you get hurt. You know, some of the videos are being shown now on TV where somebody just walks up and shoots somebody, or walks up and smacks somebody in the face. That's pretty brutal. And it's happening in our world, but it's happening in our country as well. Conceited. All this is coming forward, and this Greek word is kind of an interesting word. It's it's like the word for a typhoon. If you think about it, all this is coming, and we see it, and so the swirl begins, and it says it's to the point that it's like a typhoon. Now, the good news is that typhoons don't last forever. But they certainly can do a lot of damage in the process. And then it goes on to be lovers of pleasure. Again, back to what am I living for? I'm living for the weekend, man. I enjoy my weekends. Now, there are those who would look at my life and see that I work a lot on the weekend. Say, you you don't even know how to enjoy a weekend. For me, that's good, okay? It's, it's kind of like lovers of self. We were doing a little thing the other day in staff about, or I mean, elders, I can't remember, pastors here, we were meeting, and we're talking about what people have on their phone. You know, your, um, what's it called, your photo album? And how many of those photos are of me? Because you know what? I love me. And so I looked at my photos. Guess what I found? Ain't no me in there. I got sunrises at the beach. I got bukus of pictures of grandchildren. The only me pictures I have is when I'm with a grandchild. You say, well, you're just braggadocious. Now, I'm just telling you the truth. I don't go around taking pictures of me. I've seen me in the mirror. Why would I? Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's back to James again, where you're loving the world more than you're loving God. And although they have denied his power, you know, the, the power is back to it's Jesus who is 
the way, the truth, and the life. And then he is our Savior when we come to understand that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way to God is through him. Now that's a (laughs) whole lot of bad news. I'm not going to leave you with all bad news. As much as I can, but not all of it. So I'm going to skip some scripture and move ahead. That's weird. We'll get these later, but in the next few weeks, but just move it. Yeah, let's see if I can get in the right place. So he goes back to Timothy. He said, Timothy, man, you know how blessed you are? He said, you're a blast because you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, even from your childhood. Moms and dads, grandmas, grandpas, uncles and aunts, biological or spiritual, doesn't matter Invest in those kids and their lives with the truth. And by the way, it's not do as I say, but do as I do. So this incredible, wonderful news is that the answer to our dilemma, to our perilous times, all Scripture is inspired by God. In other words, we have a place to go to get the answers that we need. So what would that look like in our time today? Since we are tragically self-centered, we would teach people to love God and love others. And we would model that. Since we are lovers of money, we would teach people to be giving and generous. Let me ask you a quick question. How obedient are you in the expenditure of your money to what God says you're supposed to do? Or maybe I should even clarify that. Have you checked in to see what he wants you to do? Years ago, we had a fellow named Randall Turner. He was a pastor at Parkway Church here in town. And Randall was a delightful individual. You just could not be around Randall. He was a very large man. You could not be around Randall and not laugh. In fact, he had some stuff recorded and presented even at his funeral that made you laugh. That's just how he was. And so Randall, one day in one of our prayer groups, he said, fellas, I got a little problem. We said, well, what's the problem, Randall? Because we'd meet and pray together. He goes, well, my red Ford pickup truck is broken down, and I need money to fix it. We said, okay, Randall, we'll pray and ask God to help you get the money to fix your truck. He goes, well, that's where the problem is. He said, I've already talked to God about giving me money to help fix my red Ford pickup truck. 
So we said, well, so what's the problem? He said, well, God told me that he didn't know I had a red Ford pickup truck because the last one he told me to buy was a green Ford pickup truck. Where people are haughty, we teach humility and model humility. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody, you know, you didn't let people kick dirt in your face all day long, even though Jesus said they slap you on one side, you turn the other. There's a process through that. But to be humble, to honor God in everything you say and do. Where people are abusive, teach them to have proper speech and proper behavior. Where people are disobedient to parents, children, teach parental authority and obedience in childhood. Where people are ungrateful, teach them to be thankful for what they have, even though I can remember all the conversation, not all of it, a number of conversations through the years where people would say, well, I worked for that. I earned that. Well, who gave you the help to do it or the intelligence or whatever it took? To accomplish that. They are irreligious or unholy. Teach them what things are holy. And and see, as we do this, it's us walking this out. Where people are, they've lost the true meaning of family and commitment and covenant. Teach family values and let them be real. Where people are truce breakers, teach them how to commit and keep their word. One of the reasons we have to sign all these contracts when we involves money is because people don't keep their word. Where there's slander, we teach them proper speech, proper attitude toward others. Because the slander here is false accusation. That means the devil got in the church. Kick him out. Don't give him a place. He only has a place we give him. Where there's no discipline. It amazes me the people that can go think they can go through life and I don't have to discipline my life. Well, you're right, you don't. You can live in chaos. It won't be fun. Even loss of love for what is right and decent and moral. People who are careless about others in relationships. Let there be true love and true moral values and right relationships. And let us teach that and model that. Where people are reckless. I didn't cover that one well a while ago. It's making decisions without really considering the consequences. We used to have a car dealer in town. He's dead and gone now, so maybe I can talk about him. And I'm, I'm, I'm sadly going to use this as a bad illustration, but 
They had a philosophy in their dealership. When they come in, all we care about is how much they can pay a month. It wasn't whether they could really afford a vehicle. What kind of payment can they stand a month? That's how we'll sell vehicles. How many young couples have found themselves in such financial trouble? Because they, you know, those old ancient people called parents who were trying to give us the benefit of wisdom from years of experience. And they were told, well, we know what we're doing. We got all this income. Mama, Dad, guess what? I lost my job. Conceited. Lovers of pleasure. We have to love God way more than we love stuff and things and places. That it really is God that's our first love. We have to do that. And guess what? That is exactly what God has called us to do. And guess what? According to Second Peter, he has given us, chapter 1, everything for life and godliness to do it. We're not missing anything. Everything that every one of us needs to do the part that God has for us in this process of ministering to our world at its most dire time of need has been given to us now you might say well if this is given in the scripture and we know it's going to happen then what's the point the point is we have people who are dying and going to hell every day who are living in this mess and they don't know that there's an answer and sadly Many of them, when they observe our lives, either in our neighborhood, in our family sometimes, at work, wherever we are, and they don't see any difference in how we live than how they live, then why should they? I meant to bring a quote, so I can't remember who the guy was that made made this statement. It said, the Christian life has never been tried and found and found wanting but it has been tried and found difficult and so it's been ignored would you stand as we pray heavenly father uh, we're it tag we're it praise you thank you holy spirit that In our hearts and lives, in our minds, there's a stirring that only you can do, God, to help us realize that in your strategy, your divine, incredible, world-changing, world-shaking strategy, you chose us to be the generation to live and to raise our children and our grandchildren in this time so that we can be presenters of the solution of what the world needs now. And it's you, Jesus. So whatever you have to do in us, God, if you have to break us, break us. Mold us, mold us. 
Deliver us, deliver us. Whatever you have to do in us, God. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, please do that. So our world can know at least in this one place there is hope and there is help that offers something beyond just the gratification and satisfaction of the flesh. But it is eternal. And it's you, Lord Christ. Amen.